the place for Celtics news, the place for Celtics opinion, the place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. What's up? Episode 5, Cattles on Causeway. You can follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. You can follow yours truly on Twitter as well at Nick C Radio. Episode 5 is going to be about the draft and the plan going forward. But before we get into the Celtics stuff, I just want to give a shout out to my guy Kyle Hightower, the executive producer of this podcast. Hightower, we have climbed the Apple Podcast Mountain, my friend. We've talked about this the first month of this podcast. Uh, Kyle tried about 1,700 times to get this thing through. It is finally through. And for that, a round of applause. There you go. Uh, So congratulations to Kyle Hightower again. uh, The Apple Podcast Mountain has been climbed. You can catch us there. You can catch us at SoundCloud. You can catch us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. So the draft, this is going to be pretty quick when I talk about the draft. Uh, Obviously, Romeo Langford goes 14th. Grant Williams goes 22nd. Carson Edwards, 33rd. Tremont Waters, 51st. And I hate the winners and losers uh, stories online. Listen, before these guys touch the floor, I'm not going to tell you that the Celtics screwed up this draft. I'm not going to tell you that the Celtics hit a home run. But what I will tell you is what I've seen from these players and how I feel about the pick right now before they actually tip the basketball off at the Summer League. I love the Edwards pick. I absolutely love the Carson Edwards pick. He's a shot maker. He's got excellent range, and he competes constantly. I think he's going to fit right in as a second guard off the bench. He's somebody that can give you offense immediately. I love the Edwards pick, and I love the fact that they got him in the second round while dumping Aaron Baines' contract and also dumping some more draft pick money, which saved them some cap space. So I loved everything about the Edwards scenario. I really like the Grant Williams pick. I think he's a perfect fit for Brad Stevens' system. He's a big that can facilitate. He's a big that can play down low. He's a big that can shoot at least to the mid-range. The big question about him, can he shoot from three-point land? I think he's going to get okay. He's going to be passable from range. So I think Williams is a perfect pick for Brad Stevens. He can defend multiple positions, does a bit of everything. I really like that pick. Honestly, I'm never going to bullshit you on this podcast. I did not see a ton of Romeo Langford play at Indiana. I saw him play probably a total of one or two games. I'm not going to tell you that he's great. I'm not going to tell you that he stinks. I can tell you that he was a top five to seven talent going into college basketball this year. Does that mean anything? I'm not sure. Nasir Little was one of the top high school guys too, and he ended up getting drafted 25th to Portland on Thursday night. So I don't know if Lankford is ever going to reach that potential that people had for him, but I think at 14, it's worth a swing. Tremont Waters is Tremont Waters. You know, 51st pick. He's probably going to be playing for the main Red Claws. And uh, I read a story from B-Rob, Boston Sports Journal, personal friend of mine. And Brian uh, wrote that the Celtics had Waters in their top 30 on their big board. I don't know if that's true. I'm sure Brian was told that. I don't know if that's the Celtics trying to make that pick sound even better than it is. But they've got Tremont Waters as well. They've done a pretty good job with smaller guards in the past. So they followed that uh, narrative even through this year's draft. And, And the one thing I would say before I get into the free agency plan and what the Celtics should do going forward as we get ready for free agency this Sunday as we tape this on a Tuesday morning, the Celtics went back to Brad Stevens type of player. You know, when you look at what they did, they're going with character. They're going with leadership. 
They're going with on-the-floor versatility. They're going with toughness. And they're going with guys that can play both ends of the floor. And that is the prototypical Brad Stevens player. And I know Danny Ainge mentioned this during the uh, press conference yesterday with the rookies. It, it just it wasn't fun, right? It's always more fun to go to work when guys are humble and they're hardworking. And I think that was, yes, a jab to Kyrie Irving, no doubt about that. And it was also a reminder that this team, you're going to hear this word an awful lot in the offseason, right? Before we see basketball played in late 2019, you are going to hear a ton of the word culture. And the Celtics are trying to get back to that culture that they had before Kyrie Irving. And I think the draft tells us that. So that's the draft. Not going to tell you they won or they lost. I love the Edwards pick. I really like the Williams pick. I don't know if Lankford is ever going to reach his potential. I think it's worth the swing at the 14th pick. And now all eyes are on free agency. And because of Al Horford and Kyrie Irving both walking away from the Celtics, the Celtics can create 34 to $35 million in cap space. This is something that I feel like we have been ahead of. Uh, right here on the Cattles on Causeway podcast, We've been talking about how much cap space the Celtics could create while no one else was talking about it. Now you're looking at it, right? Now that Horford and Irving are both gone, you're looking at about $34, $35 million in available cap space. And when you look at this roster, you've got to try to figure out what the Celtics need to address. It's obvious to everyone that they have a gigantic hole in the middle. You're not starting this season with Rob Williams. That's not going to happen. Robert Williams is not playing 35 minutes a night. We all agree on that. They've got to find someone to plop into that hole in the middle. Now, there are a few ways you could go. You could trade for a Clint Capella. You could trade for a Steven Adams. Keep an eye on two guys, okay? Keep an eye on DeMontis Sabonis and Turner in Indiana, okay? If you've got Sabonis and you've got Turner, Miles Turner in Indiana, Pay attention to those guys because Indiana has to make some contract decisions with both of those guys. And did you notice who they drafted on Thursday night? Goga Batazzi, who's somebody who's a big and is probably going to be able to start within the next year or so if everything goes well with him. So Indiana is not going to have enough space for Batazzi, Turner, and Sabonis. Turner or Sabonis might become available. Keep that in mind. Uh, Some big-time free agents that you look at. Nikola Vucevic from Orlando. Brooke Lopez from Milwaukee. Willie Cauley-Stein says he's unhappy in Sacramento. He wants to become an unrestricted free agent. Affordable options that you'll have on the market. Enos Cantor, Dwayne Dedman, Kyle O'Quinn, DeMarcus Cousins. So those are some names that you could look at addressing the middle for the Celtics. I also think they could add a point guard. I'd rather have Marcus Smart. I have no issue with Smart coming off uh, the bench to begin with. I have no issue with Smart actually starting for this team either. I just feel like Smart's versatility and his boost off the bench helps this team. And I would rather have him be the sixth man, in essence, than starting point guard. So when you think about adding a starting point guard, there are some names that are going to be available. The trade market, Chris Dunn in Chicago might be available depending on what Chicago does in free agency. Jeff Teague in Minnesota could be available depending on what they do in free agency. D'Angelo Russell with the Nets, that could be a sign-and-trade situation if Kyrie Irving does end up going to Brooklyn. Some big-time free agent names. Kemba Walker, a max salary guy, he will be out there. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, if you don't work the sign-and-trade route, he will be available if Irving goes to the Nets. 
Malcolm Brogdon is somebody to look at from Milwaukee. They've got a tough cap situation. And, of course, the Celtics could end up re-signing Terry Rozier. Some affordable options. Guys, that will cost less money than the names I just mentioned. Patrick Beverly is going to be available. Ricky Rubio is going to be available. And finally, Darren Collison. So those are some names. When you look at in the middle and in the backcourt, you want needs, right? You've got some needs. You want to fill those needs. Those are some names. Now, how about the ways the Celtics could go about filling those holes? Because there's a lot of different things that they could do. Danny mentioned uh, yesterday flexibility. And this team has a ton of has a ton of flexibility at its fingertips. There's a number of things they can do. I don't think they're going to max anyone. If they max Kemba Walker, if they max D'Angelo Russell, then they've really got to be frugal with the center position, and that might take away some of their flexibility. I don't think you're going to see them spend you know, $27, $28, 32000000 million on one player. I don't think that's what Ainge is going to do. So I think you've got five options here. Option one is you spend big at point guard, you spend efficiently on center. Option two is you spend big at center, and you then go efficiently at the point guard spot. Option three is you split the $35 million that you have available to you as evenly as possible on both positions of need. Option four is that you split that $35 million, but you do it amongst three or four guys, and you really spread the wealth on the middle market. Option five is you go the offer sheet route. So here are some options, okay? And I'll give you my favorite option. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the other four options but I'll give you an idea of what you're looking at if the Celtics go that way. Let's go with option one, okay? If you go with option one and you spend big at the point guard spot and you spend efficiently on the center spot, I could see the Celtics deal Gershon Yabusele for a second-round pick in the future, dump his cap number, sign Malcolm Brogdon to a four-year, $84 million deal. Then you trade Robert Williams in the Milwaukee 2020 first-round pick that you got on draft night. You then trade those two assets to the Houston Rockets for Clint Capella, and then you still have your room-level exception, which is around $4.75 million. Then you solidify the center spot even more by signing Dwayne Dedman. So if you can sign Dwayne Dedman uh, as the second center, you're looking at a Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Clint Capella starting lineup on your bench. You've got Marcus Smart, you've got Shimmy Ojale, Grant Williams, and Dwayne Dedman. You also obviously have Carson Edwards and Romeo Langford. So that's option one. Option two, you could trade, right? If you're going to spend big at a center spot and efficiently on the point guard spot, you can trade for a Steven Adams, for example. You, you trade some middling assets for Steven Adams. You sign Darren Collison because Adams is making, you know, 23, whatever it is, million dollars a year. So you, you trade for Adams. You bring in that veteran big guy to address your hole in the middle. You sign Darren Collison to address your point guard spot. And I, I think at point guard, if you get Collison, you got a two-year, $18 million deal. I think that's fair. So you bring Collison in. And then you could sign a power forward because you're keeping Robert Williams. You're not dealing Williams in the Adams deal. You can sign a power forward for that room-level exception. And that would lead you with a team like this. Your point guard is Collison. Shooting guard is Brown. Small forward is Hayward. Power forward is Tatum. And your center is Steven Adams. 
Your bench looks like this. Smart and Edwards. Then Smart and Lankford at the two. Then you've got Shemi at the three. You've got Jamichael Green at the four to go along with Grant Williams. And I think you could play both Green and Williams at the three, by the way, as well, if you're not happy with Shimmy there. And then at center, you've got Adams and you've got Robert Williams. That's what that team looks like. Option two. Option three. This is when you're splitting your available cap space for two free agents, pretty much. You're looking at signing a Brook Lopez on a short-term deal, say two years, $32 million or so. You can sign Patrick Beverly, two years, about $32 million. Again, I understand that's overspending for both of those guys. Okay? I get that. But the idea of this plan is to spend your cap space short-term, leave yourself an opening in 2021 when Lopez and Beverly come off the books. Now you have $30-plus million opening up. Make sense? And then you could sign Jamichael Green to the room-level exception for two years, and then you have Lopez, Beverly, and Green all coming off the books in 2021 when Jason Tatum is going to be looking at a new contract, and you also have a number of very highly touted free agents in that market that summer. Make sense? That team would look like this. You've got Beverly, Smart, and Edwards as your point guards. Your shooting guards, you've got Brown and Smart and Langford. Your small forward spot, you've got Hayward and Shimmy. Power forward, you've got Tatum, Jamichael Green, Grant Williams. And your center spot is Brooke Lopez and Robert Williams. That's option three. Option four, this is when you just spend a bunch of middle market money on free agents, okay? So you're looking at a Darren Collison for two years, $20 million. You're looking at an Enos Cantor, two years, $20 million. You're looking at Jamichael Green, two years, $16 million. You're looking at Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who was just let go by the Nets so they could create more cap space to try to sign two max guys at two years, $12 million. And you're looking at Dwayne Dedman at two years at the room-level exception. You could sign all of those guys, Collison, Cantor, Green, uh, Hollis-Jefferson, and Dedman. You can sign all of those guys with your cap space and the room-level exception. What this option would do is create a deep team. It might not be a top-heavy team, and it might not be as good in the starting five, but you have a deep team. For example, your point guard spot, Collison, Smart, Edwards. Your shooting guard spot, Brown, Smart, Lankford. Your small forward spot, Hayward, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Shimmy. Your power forward is Tatum, Jamichael Green, Grant Williams. And your center is Enos Cantor, Deadman, and Robert Williams. So you've got 14 of your 15 roster spots filled. And you went across the board. You filled a number of holes by using that middle market money. The final option, option five. This is when you go with the offer sheet route. And this is what option five looks like. You sign Malcolm Brogdon, four years, $84 million. You sign Thomas Bryant, two years, $26 million. Thomas Bryant, a very athletic big man. He's only 21 years old in Washington. Uh, he can knock down the three ball. He can play inside. He can block some shots. You sign Thomas Bryant to a two-year, $26 million deal. And then you go back, if you haven't noticed, I love this guy as a fit. You sign Jamichael Green, two-year room-level exception. You make that move, 
Brogdon, Smart, Edwards, Brown, Smart, Langford, Hayward, Shimmy, Tatum, Jamichael Green, Grant Williams, Thomas Bryant, Robert Williams. So those are your five options quickly and what those teams may look like. Option one, I'm not going that route. You know, before I did this podcast and before I sat down in the lab last night for literally two and a half hours mapping all of this out, I wanted to go with Brogdon Capella. I I wanted that to be my plan A, and I tweeted that a few days ago. I backed away from that when looking at the short term and long term. You have a lot less flexibility if you go with that move. And if you go with those two moves, then you absolutely need either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or that Memphis pick to become a superstar. That's what you would need. Now, the ceiling of that team, if if the young guys hit, is a high ceiling. If they don't hit, then you're probably looking at a four seed or so. But again, if if Brown and Tatum and the Memphis pick, they hit, then that team could be devastating. You've got four shooters around Clint Capella. The reason why I'm backing away from that as my plan A is because the lack of flexibility and you also lose an asset in dealing for Clint Capella or maybe two assets. Option two, which is to trade for Steven Adams and, and sign Darren Collison, I'm walking away from that one too. I mean, there are some good things. You've got a balanced team. You've got some flexibility for the 2021 offseason. I think your, your ceiling, if your young guys don't hit, is probably about a five seed with that team. But you would lose an asset in the Adams deal. And I think the ceiling is lower with that team. And you'd be looking at Adams, who knows how much money, and you're trying to deal that with the, with the long-term ramifications. Option three, signing Brooke Lopez, signing Patrick Beverly, going with the, the veteran route, overspending on two vets to create some big cap space in 2021. I think that's a decent option. I think post-defense would be atrocious with Brooke Lopez and Jason Tatum. I think that would be a big problem. Uh, but you would keep the flexibility with two big expiring contracts on the books. And your ceiling, if your young guys don't pop, would likely be, I'd say, a five seed with that team or a six seed. Option four is signing a bunch of middle market cats, right? Signing Collison and Cantor and Green and Hollis Jefferson and and Deadman. Your depth is much better. It gives you time for the 2019 draft picks to develop. You don't have to rush Edwards or Lankford or Williams on the floor. It gives you flexibility. It'll give you a number of contracts to combine or use in solo deals. You would have a bunch of expiring contracts walking into the 2020-2021 season, which is a delicious thing to have. Your post-defense would again be a problem. Uh, The ceiling, if the young guys don't pop for a team like that, is likely a five or six seed because you've got a lot of middle ground talent. The final option is my option A. This is my new option. My option five in this podcast, Cattle's on Causeway. Follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast. Nick Cattle's here from ESPN Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick C Radio. Option five is my new plan A. This is what I would do if I was the Boston Celtics. I would sign Malcolm Brogdon. I would give him an offer sheet for four years, $84 million. Brogdon's the perfect fit for this team. He's the perfect fit for a Brad Stevens offense. He's the perfect fit for a Brad Stevens defense. He's a bigger point guard. 
He can defend multiple positions. He can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. He's a fantastic shooter. He went 50-40-90 last year, which not a lot of guys do in the NBA. I think Brogdon is a perfect, perfect fit. And you could put Milwaukee in a very tough spot. And if you offer him $21 million a year, and you could even up that a little bit if you wanted to, if you wanted to play the numbers game and give him a little bit more than that in the first year and then have decreasing value in the next couple of years, you could add some bonuses as well to screw with Milwaukee. Milwaukee's in a tough spot. Giannis is going to be signing the Supermax once this season is over, right? You've got Chris Middleton, who is going to sign the Max. You just signed Eric Bledsoe to a big long-term extension. So they've got all this money on the books. You could possibly squeeze Milwaukee by offering Brogdon $21 million a year. That could make it tough for Milwaukee, and they would walk away, possibly. Then I would sign Thomas Bryant of the Wizards, and I'll tell you why. I'd sign him to a two-year, $26 million deal. And here's the idea. The Wizards, again, are another team that's having some cap issues. They've got John Wall's gigantic contract hitting the books. He's not even going to play next year. They've got a big decision to make with Bradley Beal. So they've got several things going on, right? They just drafted Rui Hachimura on Thursday night. I I really like that kid, by the way. But the Wizards are in a difficult spot. And they may not feel comfortable handing over... $13 million a year for the next two years to Thomas Bryant. And if you could sign Thomas Bryant, you get a younger player. You get a guy who's 21 years old. His offensive ceiling is already better than Capella and Adams. If you're looking for a Nikola Vucevic in free agency, if you go that route and sign him, Thomas Bryant does a lot of the same things that Vucevic does. He's much younger than Vucevic. And you're not tying yourself to $100 plus million on Bryant. Bryant's a guy that you could develop. He's a modern big. 21 years old in the hands to mold of Brad Stevens. And then I would sign that name again, Jamichael Green, to a two-year room level exception. And this is what you're looking at when you go with option five, when you go the offer sheet route. You go Brogdon, you go Bryant. This is your young core. Brogdon, Brown, Tatum, Bryant, the Memphis pick, Smart, Lankford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Robert Williams. Those are 10 young dudes, younger dudes, that have some pretty impressive ceilings. That's a very good young core. You've got some big decisions if you go about this route. In 2021, Jason Tatum will be looking for a new deal. Big decision there, right? If he if he becomes the guy we think he might become, it's a no-brainer you sign him. But that's a lot of cap space. That's a lot of money. With this, you would also have to deal with Thomas Bryant. You know, and, and so maybe you would think about having a three-year deal with Bryant instead of a two-year deal so you don't have to make a decision on Tatum and Bryant at the same time. I'm kind of a big fan of giving the two-year deal to Bryant, however, Because you don't know what he's going to end up being, right? Does he reach his potential? Does he not reach his potential? You don't want to be hamstrung with a a four-year deal or or a three-year deal. Now, if you've got to go a three-year deal, then I probably would. I'm more comfortable with a two-year deal. But if you go two years with Bryant, you're you're covering your ass. Because if Bryant doesn't work out, you can flip the script at center. Bryant's gone in two years. You've got Robert Williams still there. 
Maybe you draft another center. Maybe you go out and you find an affordable option with an exception or something like that. That is not what you're going to do if you marry Clint Capella or Vucevic. If you go with Capella or Vucevic, those guys are your centers for the next four or five years. Like, that's what you've got. Your team is your team. With Bryant, you've got more flexibility. And you arguably have more potential with Bryant. You also keep the assets. You keep your assets just in case. And what you're doing is you're betting on Thomas Bryant's development versus what you know you have in Capella, Adams, and Vucevic. If you feel like Bryant's ceiling is very high and you feel like he's a young big that you could develop, then you would bet on that versus what you know you have in Capella, Adams, and Vucevic. When you look at that lineup, Brogdon, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, and Bryant, you look at that starting five, and then you look at the bench with Smart and Edwards and Lankford and Jamichael Green and Grant Williams, you have a ton of versatility. You have a number of guys in that lineup that could play multiple positions. A ton of guys. The lineup is versatile. That lineup, when you look at everybody I just named, the 12 or 13 guys I just named, that lineup is versatile, it can defend, and it can shoot, which is something that Stevens loves. Think about that starting five for me. Again, Bryant can shoot the three. Think about that starting five. Brogdon, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, Bryant. All five of those guys can shoot. It's a very tough team to play against offensively. And defensively, Brogdon is a good defender. Brown is a good defender when he wants to be. He's got to buy in more on that end. Hayward is a good defender. And I think he'll be better this year with with another year under his belt with, with that ankle. Tatum can be good when he wants to be. He's got to buy in. And Bryant's pretty good as well. And he could develop. He's only 21. So that lineup is versatile. It can defend. It can shoot. Now, the, 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 team, the team, if you signed Brogdon, Bryant, and Green, that team, for the most part, is not going to rebound for shit. But quite frankly, when's the last time the Celtics cared about rebounding? They've never had a good rebounding team. They, they just, they're not really focused on that. They're not worried about that. So that's one weakness you would see. But you've got a team that can shoot, that can defend, that is long, that, that can facilitate. You've got guys that can pass. All five of those guys in the starting lineup right there that I gave you could pass. And in the 2021 offseason with, with the bigger named free agents being out there and you having to make decisions on Tatum and Bryant, with, with the 21 offseason, you're looking at Bryant's contract coming off the books if you get a two-year deal done. You've got Green coming off the books. It's another $5 million or so. And you would also have Marcus Smart's contract which in the 2021 offseason would be an expiring contract. And if Smart continues to play the way he played last year, that expiring contract is going to be worth gold in 2021. The cap is going to go up. Smart's going to be making like $13 million. Be a huge, huge get for a team if you wanted to deal it. And I honestly believe if you had that team that I just told you about, Brogdon, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, and Bryant with a bench of Smart, and, and Edwards and Lankford and Shimmy and Jamichael Green and Grant Williams and Robert Williams. That team, I think, just as its floor, is a four seed in the East. I think that team could be a four seed in the East if people play to their, you know, reasonable potential. If guys make a leap 
if you have Brown take a step forward and Tatum take a step forward and Bryant take a step forward, you could argue that that team is, is now within the conversation as a top three team in the league in the Eastern Conference. If all of those guys take a step. Now, I don't know how likely that is, but that's what you're looking at if you're Danny Ainge. If all your young guys, Bryant at 21 years old, Tatum at 21, Jalen Brown at 22, if all of those guys, Hayward coming off of that year that he had, feeling more comfortable and confident and being able to actually play basketball this summer, if everybody, Brogdon, who had a very good year last year, if every one of those guys take that step, even if Brogdon stays who he is and you've got the other four guys take a step forward, that team could battle. And you're not limiting your future. You're not limiting your flexibility. And you keep the Memphis pick. So that's my option. Option five is my new plan A. What I want the Celtics to do, I want the Celtics to go out and sign Malcolm Brogdon to an offer sheet, four years, $84 million. I want them to go out and sign Thomas Bryant to a two-year, if you got to go three years, 26 or $39 million, $13 million a year, and then give me Jamichael Green on that room-level exception, and I'm ready to roll. I am ready to roll. But overall, if, if you don't agree with my plan, the point of this exercise is to tell you how many options the Celtics have and to lay those options out for you. Now you can go back and you can listen even closer to the options, and you can say, oh, that's the one that I want. It gives you, as a fan, an inside look at what this front office can do. And so when they make a move, you have a full understanding as to why they made the move that they did. That's what we try to do here on the Nick Cattles, not on the Nick Cattle Show. That's what we try to do here on Cattles on Causeway, the podcast. Um, I I do have the Nick Cattle Show down here in Virginia, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. But the Cattles on Causeway podcast is all about giving you the options and explaining to you what goes into those options. We're not just going to throw shit up against the wall like talk show hosts do up in Boston sometimes. I've been a part of those shows. I've listened to those shows. Those guys don't know the details. They they don't go in-depth. If you want in-depth talk and to try to figure out why the Celtics might do what they do this offseason, I just gave it to you. Now take that information and use it wisely, my friends, and have a good time with it. You can follow us on Twitter at Causeway Podcast if you're digging what you're listening to. Uh, you can also check us out, uh, the Apple Podcasts. We're official uh, over there, finally. Uh, SoundCloud as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick C Radio. Personally, Cattles on Causeway. Podcast episode number five, the draft and the plan. You've got all the information. Now we'll see what the Celtics do with it. Get ready for episode number six early next week. We'll take a look at what happened in free agency across the league, how it might affect the Celtics, and of course, what the Celtics ended up doing.